to live righteously. It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It is a general conference recap episode and a couple things before we get into this episode. And I mean it just a couple things and I mean it pretty quick. One, uh, it is on Thursday of this week as we record this, our 12th birthday episode. That's right. 12 years ago is when we started the Cultural Hall and uh, would love messages from you. Contact at theculturalhall.com. Whether you have a favorite uh, episode that you have heard in the 12 years we've been around, the almost 700 episodes, or maybe uh, something that really frustrated you, how you found us, a unique story about sharing the show, something that I can read an email from you as part of our birthday show. I would love it if you would make that a priority soon, like today or tomorrow, because I'm going to record that episode and get that out. That will be our 12th birthday episode later this week. Uh, Also consider becoming a Patreon saint as part of that. Uh, Got some cool things in the works. Uh, One of those things in the works, and I hope I'm not jinxing that, is you will find us uh, at the Cultural Hall on um, TikTok shortly. We are gonna. We are gonna. We're gonna we start gonna, doing weird, crazy dances. <laughs> yeah, we are gonna. We're gonna start making trending sounds. I don't know. No, we're gonna. We're gonna dip our toe into the TikTok trend right in time for the United States to ban it. So that's exciting. Just in time, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready to get on and do do whatever trendy dance it is. Just okay. To- you know, okay. Just to drive everyone away from TikTok. <laughs> uh, uh, and get excited because Andrew, unbeknownst to him, is going to be the one who uh, is in charge of our TikTok. That's Mr. Oh. Mayor. If you didn't know that was his first name and no, he's not really going to be in charge of it. The other voice you heard is Megan. The other thing that I will say, you guys, and I, uh, I only bring this up because I promised him that I would slash wouldn't. Um, this conference episode recap is actually going to be about conference. I listened to This Week in Mormons and their conference recap episode, which had nothing to do with general conference. <laughs> I've been giving Kurt Frankum uh, with Leading Saints and This Week in Mormons a gentle nudge. This is not the kind of ribbing that uh, President Nelson was talking about. And we'll obviously get into that. This isn't contention. It's just, you know, throwing some shade among friends. So, so. I'll allow it. Actual... We could do the ranching episode and just talk about the the steak we ate last weekend. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. So, uh, general conference recap. We do this in, a, a, we've done this different ways. We've done it where we go section by section uh, and said, hey, you know what? Was there anything in particular from this session that you enjoy? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think what I would like to do with the three of us tonight, there will be a couple talks that we will specifically talk about. And we'll do that at the end. Um, in the third block, we're going to have Corey, the Pharaoh K. Ward, come in and he'll talk about all the temple announcements. So we won't do that in this first part. Um, but we'll talk about President Nelson's talk at the end of the uh, Sunday a.m. session. We'll get to that. That's one that we'll do for sure. And we'll also talk about uh, Elder Oak's talk uh, from the first part of the Sunday afternoon session. Those are definites, but the rest is up to my guests. Uh, Megan, the Mitch Mitchell, you get to kick us off because ladies first, which one did you want? Is that, is that the nickname? Megan, the Mitch? that's the name. Is that it? That's it. Have you not, have you not listened? I didn't listen to the most recent one, but I know you were searching. This is like four, this is like four episodes ago. Oh, then I'm really bad. Yep. You might be behind. Yeah. Yeah. Richie, you should just text him the direct link so yeah. that yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna share the cultural hall with Sounds my like friend. The whole story. Sorry about that, Mr. <laughs> Mayor. All right, Megan, where do you want to go? 
All right, I'm going to I'm going to start off with uh, Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf's talk when he was uh, I don't know what the catchy name was that they came up with for this talk yet, but he was talking all about families and parenting and children and raising children. And as a mom of six, that was quite meaningful to me. My favorite part um, actually pulled this quote from I found it on uh, social media, but it says. Um, Sorry, let me find it. My phone. Okay, there it is. Um, just as Jesus Christ is the strength of youth, Jesus Christ is also the strength of parents. Jesus Christ is also the strength of families. Mm. Um, now, Andrew, I don't know if you have kids. Um, nope. Richie, I'm, I think I'm, you've... I'm the one kid in this house. The one kid. Okay. <laughs> and Richie, you've, you've delved into the parenthood a little bit, right? With the stepchild. Oh, oh, I fully jumped in the deep you end. You jumped but, in. Uh... <laughs> but have since gotten out of the pool a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's not for the faint of heart, right? No. And I, we have teenagers that are like almost adults. Ugh. You know, my oldest is going to be 18 in November, which is like mind boggling to me. But it is the best reminder for me to have to know that Jesus Christ is exactly what I need to be able to raise these children. Right. Um, Tell me what you mean by that. That sounds like an odd sentence structure to me. I yeah, I know. I, it was one yeah. of those things where, like, I started saying it not necessarily. He's ripping on your grammar. Saying. That's that what he's right. turned into. Ripping on your and grammar. He, he wouldn't be wrong. Um, but I need the atonement in my life more than I need anything. Right. And one thing that I learned is that Jesus Christ is there to give me comfort in my trials. He's there to give me forgiveness for my sins, but he's also there to make up the difference and mm -hmm. in everything that I do. And I guarantee that on, not even on the daily basis, but on the hourly basis, I'm messing up with my kids. I'm doing something wrong, totally unintentionally. It's because I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Yes. I've been a parent for 17 and a half years, but I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and each one of my kids are different. So they all offer me a different set of challenges. And I can never get it right. So I need the power of the atonement, making up the difference in the areas where I am absolutely faltering at no fault of my own. Hmm. Um, and Jesus Christ has paid the price for all of our sins, all of our shortcomings. Those are my shortcomings and also the shortcomings of my children. Um, and I've had some kids who have been through the ringer in mm -hmm. their lives. Um, some because of choices that they've made and some because of choices other people have made. And sometimes it's like those rocks that Sister Johnson was talking about. They're all carrying rocks, right? Mm -hmm. And the only way to lighten that load for them is through the power of Jesus Christ, through his atoning power. And this is one way that I know on the surface, I can dive into the power of the atonement to make it uh, easier, make it more manageable, make it uh, more pleasant experience but deep down in my heart it's really hard to accept that because I want to do it all on my own um but just having that simple thought Jesus Christ is the strength of youth he's the strength of parents he's the strength of families it it spoke to my heart in such a personal way that I hope that I can become a little bit of a better mom hmm. after this that was a little bit of a 
preach testimony situation. I'm not sure if that was what you're looking for, but there we are. hundred percent. You know, the thing, one of the things that I thought was unique about uh, Elder Uchtdorf's talk, um, two things, one, no mention of airline anything, which I think that, you know, we, we sort of have made a pair. I just tuned it out that. when I, re- when there was no airline. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I stopped loosening. If, if he wants me to pay attention, he better talk about the FAA That's at right. least. At Either least. that or when he mentioned The Hobbit that one time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's part one. The second part of it, and for whatever for whatever reason, my mind sort of went, and as, as you were recapping it and telling about it, like the idea that, um, like the, the atonement, almost go with me here. I promise I'm going to make sense with this. But like p- part of like the repentance process and why we need Christ also interplays with how we are with kids. And, you know, Megan, you can probably relate to this, but there is a certain part of like how you're able to become a, a better parent and or um, make your way through things is when you go to your kids and say, hey, kid insert whatever you did. You know what? I did this wrong as I overreacted, underreacted, misguided you, gave you wrong advice, didn't listen to you, whatever the things are. Some of the most powerful times where we're able to be, you know, at one with our kids when we take in that atonement, you know, the at one meant, uh, or, or being able to like reconcile those things. And I think that that was sort of a through line through some of the other things at conference is really being able to come to a person and say, yeah, I'm going to deal this deal this out with Christ as well, but let me start with you. And this is what I've done. And I and 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 that he, hearing you recap it, and also Elder Uchtdorf, my mind went there for a brief moment. Yeah, absolutely. And um, kids are incredibly forgiving, mm-hmm. right? There, there is so, so many times when so what? is Christ. So is Christ. Megan. So was Christ exactly. So is Christ. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, um, there are so, there are so many times when I've gone to apologize to my child for handling something wrong or get overreacting, you know, what have you, by the time I have humbled myself to come to them and say, I did this wrong, please forgive me. They're like, oh yeah, I I already like, it's fine, mom, you know, or, Mm -hmm. or like my little five-year-old, he's like, you mommy gives me a big hug and he's forgotten, you know, what has happened. He's and that is a really, really good example to me, especially as we're diving into more um, discussions about contention and um, not being angry, but not being offended and not get, you know, we can all take a lot of really powerful lessons from children and we don't do that enough. We talk about it, but mm-hmm. we don't actually put it into play. Yeah. Be like the children. Oh, wait, what? No. no. <laughs> all of this makes me think of my favorite artist. His name's Rorschach, but he always paints pictures of my parents fighting. Boo. <laughs> I see butterflies. <laughs> I see blood. That's all I see. Blood. Anyway, nobody. Great. No. <laughs> great talk by Elder Uchtdorf. I think there's a lot of parents, especially, and honestly, probably more moms than dads who are going to lean into that and say, yes, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Because the other thing I loved about it is at the end, he talked about how we all think that we've got it like we're struggling so much and we're doing everything wrong. And we look at the other families and they've got it just right. And he's like, no, they are having the same struggles. And, uh, there's, I, I think my, uh, my bet is that there's a lot of moms who are really going to appreciate Elder Uchtdorf's words. Yeah. I like that. 
Take us away, Mr. Mayor. So Garrett Gong's Elder Gong's talk about ministering was um, particularly um, poignant to me, both as something that inspired me, but also that kind of stung at me a little bit in a in place that I like, oh, I probably should look and maybe reduce. And 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 the one place that really stung um and, and made me think was he said something to the effect of uh, more say that they are ministering than say they are being ministered to. Mm. And then he went on to say we need to do better by not just casually texting or saying how are you doing in the hall. We need to get to know them. And and he the whole talk went on and you know and 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 it really stings because I write so much stuff about serving others and everything else, and it's such an important concept to me in 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 the in, in things I write and things I do and things things and the way I try to live my life. And um, and then so when that when that kind of kind of sticks out to me, I'm like, maybe I need to do a little bit better. Maybe maybe just because someone says, "Yeah, I'm okay," doesn't mean I shouldn't serve them anyway find a way to serve them and and that the 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 gist of that talk and he there was one quote that i really liked this is whenever we are in wherever we are in this easter season let us reach out and care as the savior would especially to those whom we are privileged by love and assignment to minister in so doing we may draw closer to jesus christ and each other becoming more like him and the followers of jesus christ he would have us be and i i that 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 has been ringing in my ears ever since that 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 did it and that 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 he said that that the concept of ministering i think sometimes we think of as a, as an obligation and duty and it is mm-hmm. but it it should be just like an outgrowth of our faith in jesus christ and that's the delta i'm trying to gra- I'm jump over get to the grass i can i can make the efforts that i can make the plans and that's the way to get started but hopefully before i end this life i can get to the point where it's it's more of second nature not than it, and it's more of just part of my faith than it is that i have to have to think about it and i have to push through it and, you know so you know that, guilt, that guilty good. admission around the uh, around that for me and i'm assuming elder gong was saturday am cuz i didn't actually uh, see, am. was it i think so yeah. saturday am yeah. yep one yeah. of the very first ones right okay. out of the gate okay stung okay. me right in the heart yeah, I was I was I was working, so I was busy being a unicorn oh, at an Easter egg hunt. Explain that to your kids. Uh, Pixar, it didn't happen. Yeah, oh, I've got them. They're coming your way, pal. Uh, yes. Do you guys ever find that you do um, this thing where, like, your heart is pricked and you're like, "Oh man, I need to be a better neighbor." Oh, the community thing, right? And here's this is how bad I am about this is I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. So then I reach out to the neighbor that I haven't reached out to for a little bit. And I'm like, Hey, I want to give you a hand or, Hey, I wanted to see how you're doing. Or, you know what? It's it's going to be a horrible snowstorm tomorrow. Tell you what, I'm going to take care of your walks tomorrow, whatever the thing is, right? Whatever that thing is, it's very true intention. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling, you know, what I, what I inappropriately have recently called the Jesus flow where I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling Jesus flow through me. Yeah. I got, the, I know that's terrible, right? That's, that's, that's so, um, I just hate it. Yeah. But it's so like, uh, evangelical. I, I don't know that I can handle it, but the, I'm feeling the Jesus flow and, and then I commit to the thing with the person and then right before it, I'm like, why did I say I was going to do this? 
<laughs> I don't want to do this. I've got other things that I should be doing. They don't even appreciate this. I created this out of my mind. And it's so funny because honestly, like the purest intent that I possibly could have, I have in my heart when I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go see how this person is doing. And, and I know they've had a rough go and I just want to take them to lunch. I mean it. And then right before I'm like, why, uh, why yeah, did I, I don't do, this? do that? Yeah. I, I think that's, that's, the sting of of elder gong's talk is because when when we moved from home teaching to ministering we could always fall back on i went and gave him a lesson mm-hmm. right and, and even though we often weren't doing it if i sure. wanted to feel good i could at least stand at someone's door read him a scripture and say did it check that box and he's he's talking about what he called the higher and holier ministering and this higher and holier simply means that we have to be creative. We have to be thinking about it and we have to endure past, oh, I'm going to have this grand idea and it failed because likely if we are doing ministering correctly, we are going to fail more times than we succeed. I think of um, I think of my mom with family home evening growing mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and and the like if I look back, we tore her heart out every Monday night by just <laughs> being the stupid brothers and kids. And we were awful. Mm-hmm. And yet the thing well, I one time went back and told her, I'm like, mom, that was so in integral in my testimony that we did that. And yet if she was to be, why did she keep doing it to me? I can't imagine why she kept doing it. Sure. It would appear that it was unsuccessful at all. So I think there, there's a higher and holier way to do ministering. And sometimes that's enduring beyond our own ability to even see the success. Hmm. Well, and I wonder um, how many of us are also allowing us ourselves to be ministered to and allowing our families to be ministered to, you yeah, know, not, um, me. not me. Right. And so um, we also need to be better about allowing people to come in you know, drop off the treat or whatever, but call, like, if you need a priesthood blessing, are you calling your ministering brothers for it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, doing things like that. Or I, I forced my husband every time he goes on a, on a business trip from, you know, I get, I've told you, Richie, I get like severe anxiety whenever he goes out of town. Sure. And part of it is that I don't have the Melchizedek priesthood in my home when he's gone. Um, if we needed something that only a priesthood holder could handle, you know, he wouldn't be there. And so I'm like, you will tell our ministering brothers when you're out of town, Yeah. because I don't want there to be a big surprise. If somebody gets sick and we need a priesthood blessing, I want them to be kind of on call if need be, you know, and it like, like last year, my husband went on a big extended fishing trip and I had both of these brothers checking in on me a couple of times, sending me a text, seeing me at church. Hey, how are you doing? Is everything mm-hmm. going okay? And at first my husband was like, no, I'm not going to do that. You can just call them or you can just text them if something comes up. I'm like, no, this is important. I want you to tell them. So I think obviously there's a lot of onus on ministers, on us as members to be ministers to the people we're assigned to and the people we aren't, but also we need to let people in. We need to let people minister to us. That's my soapbox. I want to ask you about this though. One more comment real quick. Oh, go ahead. He made a comment. He made a comment. Elder, Elder Gong did that I thought was really interesting to make it as easy as possible for people to minister. He mentioned geography. He mentioned things like, hey, they already have a relationship. And mm-hmm. I think um, I think sometimes 
that you know, if you have a relationship with someone that should you should that's that's an automatic someone you could minister to and sure. and yes the spirit can derive you know help us figure out who to minister to but sometimes i think as elders quorum presidencies and relief society presidencies we like we got to be inspired about every single one when sometimes it's like you have to you have to make it make sense as much as possible and then let the spirit tell you where you're wrong right yeah yeah. Two two other things that I'll mention about that guy that lives across the street from me, not a member of the church, or if he was, he hasn't been in, you know, he, 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 he doesn't participate. He doesn't come to church. Right. So he may be as there is in Utah so much, you know, someone that sort of lapsed years and decades ago. Right. But you know, I, I check on him every couple of days and, and I genuinely consider that ministering to him in the way that I feel like it should be. Um, and there are other people in my neighborhood as well, but like when people are like, oh yeah, do you minister to people? I'm like, yeah. And I think of that guy as one of the people who I minister. He's just a single guy. Hey, you got food. Hey, there's a snowstorm coming. You're going to be, do you need me to get you anything? Is there anything? And it, and it's like that. The other thing that I think is, is curious about we as members of the church is that we're really good about, like you mentioned, Megan, about serving other people, but not about being served. And it's curious to me that we can because I've done this two times in my life. One, I had it done to me the other time I've done it. You know, that, that age old phrase where we're like, is there anything that I can do for you? And I had, this was in my old ward. I had someone who said, I really need um, kitchen bags for something they were doing, right? Or they had run out or there was a, and for whatever reason, they were not able to do that. But I said, is there anything that I can do for you? And they said, I would love 30 tall kitchen bags, the kind that you put into the thing. And I was like, it, you know, taken back for a second. And then I was like, oh, no, that is very specific. What a great gift you just gave me. And very quickly, it determined whether or not I was in the right place of like, am I asking because I think they're actually going to give me something and or I'm willing to do it? Or am I just, you know, doing the thing that I do, which is, can I do anything for you? Oh, great. Okay, perfect. And so then after that fact, I can't remember what it was, but I remember the moment because we looked at each other and I said, how's that for specific? But he said, is there anything that I can do for you? And I told him, hey, I need whatever the thing was. And he looked at me like, oh. Yeah. And the the uh, home teacher or minister, I guess at that point, did the thing that I needed and, and helped out. And that was it. So I think part of that, too, like you mentioned, Andrew, is the being very specific. Like, do you need help? Yes, I do. What is it? Can you connect me with some services that will help me to be able to pay my rent? OK, maybe it's a little out of the norm. Maybe you don't know anything about it, but that is specific and helpful, whatever the thing may be. All right. That's when you say, I know a bishop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who I can talk to and they'll yeah. get in touch with you and you've done your you've done what you've been asked to do. But you make but you make that connection, right? Yeah. You mm-hmm. you don't just go, "Oh yeah, there's something." You, you, I mean, you do the thing. Um I think I'll talk about one of the talks that I want then we'll take a break, we'll come back and maybe we'll go uh maybe one more talk if you guys feel compelled about a particular one and then we'll do uh President Nelson's and we'll also get into Elder Oaks talk, um visit about those and then uh and then wrap it up as far as with the two of you. Uh, I, uh, President <clears throat> Johnson's talk to me, uh, it is the age old story of the backpack that for some reason, maybe it was because I was paying a little closer attention because I was live tweeting that session at the cultural hall over on Twitter. Maybe it was, um, 
you know, just where I was or whatever, but she talks about the backpack, right? And that, uh, that each of us in our, uh, in our lives, because how life is, we have stones in our backpack and we don't know what stones people have in their backpack and it can make our burden heavy and all this stuff. And for whatever reason, um, this part of that story, uh, really resonated with me. And, and I think it's probably just, you know, where, where I'm at and maybe some things like you mentioned, Andrew, kind of being pricked in my heart is it, it became very clear to me that some of the rocks that I keep in my backpack are things that I'm holding on to that I just need to take out. N- not even that they're things like that, you know, like sins that I need to repent or be forgiven of, not, you know, trespasses that I've done against other people, but for some reason, you know, maybe some part of mental health. I don't, I don't know, actually. I, I, I'm sort of only like low level investigated this in my mind up to this point, but there are some things where I'm like, I have the ability to take that rock out and I have not taken that stone out of my backpack and life is harder because I have not done that. And, and and that part of that, I mean, all of the things, right? Christ can lighten our burden and those stones that we can't take out or that we need help being able to do. I love that part of the parable as well, that we all have our backpack and we all have our stones and we're all walking our own path is another great part of that parable that I think that, uh, you know, can really resonate with people. But for whatever reason, it was the idea of, hey, dum-dum, take the rock out of your backpack. It's just making it harder. Why are you still carrying it? That really was like, oof. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know that I know how exactly or, or why I'm not taking it out, but, but I definitely, you know, had that like real clear, Oh, I've got to take that out. For me, it was understanding um, about my own anxiety, which would lead to some depression at, at times as well. And it was, it was actually about the same time I started doing stuff with you for the cultural hall. And, and it was a, it was an interesting time. I didn't have the tools to take them out of time, but I did know exactly what the what the rock was. Mm. So as I explored that and as I opened it up and I realized what it was is that my anxiety was surrounded a lot of the things that I didn't want to address about myself mm. and, and going doing counseling and other things allowed me to kind of bring them out and address them. And then those rocks just kind of over time. And as I addressed them has started to fall, fall away. And it was wonderful having you, 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 um, work with me, have me start working on this because it gave me an outlet where I was, I was spending a lot of time on that. It gave me something else to work on. So, so, you know, you can add that to your 12th birthday. It literally saved my life mm-hmm. in, I mean, you know, by, by coming and working on the cultural hall. Uh, so kudos to you for having the spirit to say, Hey, you can come in and do that. And you can you do this and can you do that? And I was willing to jump in and help. So that's a big deal. I appreciate you sharing that, Megan. Well, I have thoughts, but uh, I don't. I think what Andrew said was perfect. So I don't want to sully anything that he just said because that was pretty. Sully away. Just tell us your thoughts. Well, I was I was just gonna say that I think for me a lot of like the stones that I'm carrying around have don't really have anything to do with um, like sin you know, like you were talking, like, you know, it's not saying it's not things I'm doing wrong. It's my priorities not being aligned where they need to be, mm. if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I I know about myself that I have like a serious, almost borderline addiction to my phone mm-hmm. and like screen time. And it's, I'm not doing anything bad on 
my phone, right? right? You know, I'm not looking at anything nefarious. I'm not getting into arguments on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, but it's just doom scrolling. You know, it's just scrolling through my Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. or scrolling through my Facebook when I could be doing things like reading my scriptures or ministering or reading a book with my kid. Now there's some times when some mindless scrolling, I don't think are, is wrong. You know, sometimes you just need to blow off the steam. by. Would you say I was mindlessly scrolling? <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but there are times when I know that that priority is not where it needs to be. That priority is totally out of whack. And, but it's so stupidly difficult for me mm -hmm. to make the adjustment, you know, and I have enough going on in my life right now that checking Facebook or Instagram or whatever repeatedly, I don't have time for it, but I still do it, Yeah, you know, and I know that my life would be a jabillion times easier, you know? And so it's like, sometimes those, those boulder or those rocks and stones are just there because our priorities aren't where they should be. Hmm. Maybe not bad or good, you know, maybe not bad, but good, better, best kind of a situation. Sure. Sure. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back in the second block. We're going to get into the president Nelson talk from, um, by the way, Megan, that didn't solely anything. Sorry. Yeah, no, it was oh, great. Thank you. That was great. <laughs> Uh, we're also going to get into Elder Oaks talk and maybe, I don't know, we'll see what everyone, if there's something else that bubbles up to this whole thing. I know there's at least one thing I want to talk about uh, Saturday evening session. We'll get into that. We'll come back and do that in the second block of this here general conference recap episode of the cultural hall. Hey, you guys wanted to talk to you about a new voice app on the Amazon Alexa. It's made by the church. That is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it's geared for kids and grandkids aged four to 11. It's called the friend magazine skill, and it allows your kids to play the friend magazine from an Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Now, here's what's cool about it. Each month, it's going to include new stories and new music from The Friend magazine. It's, uh, you know, a thing that your kids, they know what it is. In fact, if you said, hey, kids, enable The Friend magazine skill, they've already done it before you even ask them. And the best part is it's free. It's built by the church. So there is no advertisements or any content that you need to worry about. And it's a fun, great way to help your kids learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called The Friend magazine skill be sure to enable it on your Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. Here in the second block of the cultural hall, again, manifesting this into the world, I would love to do more with uh, the cultural hall. A part-time job? A full-time job? Nay? Could we even say that? I don't know. If there's someone that uh, has some some brilliant ideas, I'm not very good about uh, crowdsourcing ideas from folks. Something that you think would be like, oh man, I would love it if the cultural hall would this, or we should open ourselves up to that. Or I'm a very uh, wealthy billionaire that just loves the cultural hall. I would love to sponsor you so you could have that as a job. I'd take that money as well. Whatever those things are. I can tell you exactly how to do it. Tell me. Two more things that make you money. Perfect. That That is a fair point that is helpful. Again, like Megan was saying, good, better, best. That was good. If anyone has better or best ideas, contact at theculturalhall.com. I have an idea, Richie. Tell me. I have an idea. I think you should find like your top 10 interviews that you've done, which may okay. be difficult in almost 700 episodes. Sure. And you should transcribe them 
Oof. and publish a book. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, hard because I've thought about yeah. that. Right. Let's go tangent for a second. You know, uh, my friend Morgan, I think it's Pearson now. Is that her last name? Yeah. Morgan Jones uh, from All In. I mean, that's essentially what she did with her All In book was, you know, she asked a question, what, you know, how are you all in? And then she transcribed them and made it a book. Did a little bit of commentary and some writing around it, right? What about taking it a different way with you? Okay. Take the top 10 thing interviews that have changed you and write the book about why they changed you. What? Yep. What were what was important about those ten? And make it personal, make it Richie centered. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I I have had lots of ideas around books. I've had an idea about a, a movie uh, before. Um, the cultural hall, of the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or lots or, of like, uh, well, funeral potatoes, right? Yeah, of course, of course. And Obviously. all of us sitting on the back row, and we just keep making more room, and it just. Cinches that everybody has to sit nice and tight. Hey, come in, come in, sit tight. Um, so, so, so I've thought about that. I've thought about something just completely. I don't know. I'm the, I'm that guy that's like, that's a great idea, but is that the thing? Is that the thing? So that's the paralysis that I'm in right now. Is there's there is things. There's lots of things. I just don't know what the best thing is. Well, we just keep throwing ideas to Richie at contact at theculturalhall.com. One of them will spark. And then somebody the spirit has will the idea. Hit. Someone yep. has it. Yep. You Contact might be that person. At the Contact cultural at hall. The cultural hall. Yeah. Say All it right. again because I keep talking over you. That's fine. Contact at the cultural hall.com. So, uh, Saturday evening session, the thing that I do want to bring up, and I want to be respectful on time because uh, we do have that temple ticker coming up in the third block where we talk about all the different locations that were announced for the temples. Um, short speculation was that the uh, Saturday evening session is when Elder Holland was supposed to speak. And obviously with him um, being diagnosed, he and his wife both being diagnosed with COVID, uh, unable to attend, unable to speak. And because of the late diagnosis, unable to film it, nor did he probably feel like doing it. Uh, but, but real short like they they got to that intermediate hymn and they're like peace out go home thoughts well it well, definitely it allowed... was that oh. i think it was yeah. go ahead megan well it, it made it so that we weren't coming up on bedtime so when we were done i texted my husband and i was like get all the kids in the car let's go get ice cream at arctic circle there you go um, so that was fun because you know it was literally going to be like well session's over bedtime for the littles you know mm -hmm. so I appreciated that aspect of it, but I did like the idea that was floating around Twitter of having Elder Matthew Holland just give Elder <laughs> Holland's talk. That would have been that would have been a fun step right in for his dad. Yeah, yeah. they look identical. <laughs> but it, it, I was worried because we lost the, one of the, in my opinion, the trifecta of my favorite apostles, and that's Uchtdorf, Bednar, and Holland. Okay. And uh, and but I'll tell you, as much as I love Holland. The spirit made up for the loss of him. So there were so so many other opportunities to to learn and grow from other speakers. But of course, it doesn't mean I wouldn't have loved to hear Holland speak because he definitely. And I, but I do. I I think the time frame fits exactly right. That losing President Holland at the last minute, they didn't have a way to replace them. It's hard to it's hard to say. Hey, throw a general conference talk together in twenty four hours. Sure. You know, that's just I feel like President Nelson could have. Oh, I think so. 
Well, and, and and so that was the interesting thing. I think it's I because other people were like, "Heaven forbid, we have a woman speak." We, you know, we were a little bit light on the women in this general conference for sure. Could have used, uh, you know, that time to be able to to have a woman speak. And I think genuinely, and this will feel like it's an excuse, but I think that it it to me at least it feels like a valid excuse. From a technical standpoint, they can't pull an audible like that last minute. No, that's really tough. Yeah. I think the only right. one could is President Nelson. He could probably stand up and no, go off no, for no, no. And it's I not feel like he could get up and vamp. Yeah. I, but, it, but that's not what I'm saying. I, I think that any of them, I think any of the apostles, they have, and I don't want to say this this way, but they have like a talk in their back pocket that they take on their circuit, right? That's not new to anyone. I've had it where the apostle came to my state conference or my ward even, and then I hear it at general conference and I'm like, is this deja vu or where have I heard this part of this talk or even this whole talk before? And, you know, they do kind of do a little bit of that. I don't blame them. President Nelson, any of them could have been able to speak it. I mean, genuinely, like the technical, like we are going to have this either scripted out, probably not, but to be able to translate Spanish. Okay, we can That's do all point, day yeah. Italian, you bet. But some of these languages where there are so few people and the ability to do it on the fly like that, not possible. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. That would be extremely tough if they could even possibly do it. I mean, you'd have to have. You'd have to have the UN translators available to you to get that out for the world. And they don't, they don't, I know they don't staff them that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they have everything timed just to such a T between the songs and how long it'll take to walk to the pulpit. At least this is what I picture in my mind that it's almost like a, a choreographed dance between the cameras and the walking and the time between and the everything that, like you said, Richie, just throwing somebody in there that would, potentially mess up a lot of things because camera angles and everything you know yeah, it height, would be height even of yeah, the of the podium of the pulpit yeah and and which yeah. session they're going to put how firm a foundation in because it's always in something yeah <laughs> yeah that and guide us oh thou great jehovah too yep, yep. notice that one repeat my, my favorite is how firm a foundation though. uh other things that i sort of noticed um in i think it was the last session Boy, I'll tell you what, Elder Bednar was sure quick to the to the pulpit. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, he just no. it, like I was trying. I was tweeting, and I'm like in the middle of trying to wrap up the tweet from the other guy. I'm like, oh, he's already talking. Yeah, it was like the guy <laughs> said, "Amen." He wasn't even out of spotlight, and Elder Bednar was like, "Let's do it. Here we go." Oh. <laughs> uh, the other thing, the first couple seconds, and I felt bad about this in retrospect. This was in the the morning session that I tweeted, and I think it was Elder Duncan who in the first couple moments of his um of his speech he was a lot of teeth and a lot of excitement and i i, I, I did the fire marshal bill comparison because it, he like and i'm sure i cringed a little nerves. on that one it was I just laughed a, and cringed. it was a little bit of nerves but he just gets up and he's like and here we go and here we're doing it and then he <laughs> he calmed down but i just was like let me tell you something. it just it was crazy yeah i, 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 that, I heard but... that but i i I did cringe a little bit, but I laughed too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. The, the, com the comparisons were fun for me. The uh, D. Todd Christofferson and the guy who used to sell us Encyclopedia Britannica's in the 80s. <laughs> That's right. That was a good generation, one. Certain generation. Um, which do you guys prefer? Maybe we go Elder Oaks before we go President Nelson in uh, yeah. no respecter of persons, but entire respecter of persons order. 
Yep. Uh, I, yeah, Elder, Elder Oaks. I'd love to know what you guys thought about this. Perfect. Perfect way. I'm going to give my next talk. Say something and then read a bunch of scriptures and sit down, drop that mic. <laughs> That's kind of what he did. He said, you know, he, he, he talked about the, the teachings of Christ. And he had a little bit of his own commentary in there, but then he just read the words of Christ, you know, in, and he put them together in a format that told a story. You go back and read it. It was a it was a structured talk, but he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put all this out there. And it was, I thought it's the best talk I've ever seen him give. And he's given some pretty good ones. And I'm like, the other, the other comment that was made on Twitter, though, was like, people tend to want to pull every word out of President Oaks and just like hammer everything he mm -hmm. might say. Mm -hmm. Kind of hard to do that on this one, since most of his Good talk, luck. not all of it, was just words of Jesus Christ, yeah, which was just awesome. So my, if not, it, President Nelson's is probably my favorite talk, but close behind it is Bill's Elder Oaks, for sure. What did you think, Megan? So my only wish with that talk is it that it had come earlier in one of the other sessions, because by the afternoon on Sunday... We have a tradition of having a gigantic brunch in between the morning and afternoon sessions yeah. with a lot of carbs and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But that's also when I start to slip into like my conference coma. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me to pay attention. Like I need, I need quick witty here. We're going to announce a bunch of temples and we're going to do this and this and this and this. Uh, so I was having a hard time paying attention to everything that Elder Oaks was saying. It's that's one why of those I asked ones Richie if I could tweet that session. Because that's nice. the session Good I call. have a hard time. <laughs> Good call, man. I love that. I probably won't be able to do that next year because you're going to call it, but um, <laughs> or in October. But um, but no, I just I wish it had come maybe on Saturday or Sunday morning because I would have been more engaged with it. I'm excited to go back and listen to it and read it and mark it up because I know it'll mean more to me at that point. Um, but I do think it's, it's very, it's an interesting tactic to a, a great, interesting tactic to just quote the words of the savior. And I love how, when you go through on social media and the church has like Facebooked or tweeted out a couple, like a quote, a direct quote from one of the talks, his is literally, we believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah. That, that was the quote that they could pull. And it's like, make no mistake, make no bones about it. We believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, 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 so I liked it for a couple of reasons. Um, if I'm being candid, I love that there isn't, that it isn't weaponry for people online. So, so many times it seems like Elder Oaks, like you mentioned, uh, Mr. Mayor. Well, I can't believe that Elder Oaks and this, and then it becomes the focus of what people say. And I'm not saying that he hasn't said some things that I'm like, oh, geez, but, but to be able to to deliver that talk in that way to just be like, oh yeah, no, those are the words of Christ. The other thing, I just loved its uniqueness. And I think anytime that we can bring something, even, and I'm not applying this in this situation because I thought the talk was very well crafted, but I think anytime we can present something that has been presented before in a different way, there is something that I learned because it is presented in that different way, even if it's not necessarily better or worse than had been presented previous, I just go, huh, I'm paying attention more because I have never observed something like this and and so I, I I really appreciated that um, that part of it. He's the next level of presentation could be interpretive dance. Sure, sure, sure. I, I used mean, to be that, a dancer. I could do it. That would be a unique thing for general conference for sure. 
um, <laughs> but not the first time that interpretive dance had been performed in the conference center. So well, it sounds I, like makeup's gonna Megan's gonna do our our wrap up next conference as an interpretive dance. Sure, and that is I'll Megan the Mitch the Mitchell, Mitch. Mr. Mayor. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. The the other thing, uh, yeah. A particular, and maybe I'm playing into this in my mind, but, you know, we know Elder Oaks to be the next prophet of the church should President Nelson, who didn't look like he's 98 years old at all. You know, at every time, every conference, I'm expecting him to, like, do what President Monson did, where all of a sudden one conference he was, like, spry and open and all of a sudden, like, oh, something happened in the last six months. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen that yet. I I thought maybe since he didn't speak on Saturday... Right. Maybe we were going to see a president and then he gets up and he's like, boom, and he's President Nelson, just like we expect. And I'm like, well, I guess it's not this conference. Yeah. Yeah. But almost a centenarian, which just sort of blows my mind. But Elder Oaks, it seemed maybe this is just me putting things on because he'll be the next prophet of the church. He seemed a little bit more. um uh, Animated? Uh, no, no. Like a, like it, it felt maybe more official from Elder Oaks than I've ever felt from him before like and weighty maybe, like he, i say like he again, has a, the, he knows that's coming and that that weight is on his shoulders yeah maybe the mantle is yeah is maybe beginning to yeah descend on it to him. yeah it's like know. every time i see elder bednar speak i'm like future prophet because you know just mm-hmm. statistically speaking that's happening he's like yeah. the dick clark of apostles man <laughs> that guy looks like he's 45 and he's like sure. 70 yeah perennial yeah yeah have you have you got a few been, grays in there now? And I think he put those in there so we don't keep talking. I don't think they're real. Yeah. I think he did that because he's like, <laughs> I can't, I, I got to look like I'm aged. You know, and, and with that, Mr. Mayor, uh, you don't know this because you live in Texas, uh, but Elder Bednar does a countdown on New Year's Eve that is a party not to be missed. So do you DJ it? Uh, no, no, he does it himself. Oh, okay. Well, so uh, tangentially about um, Elder Oaks, uh, I was at a jazz game a couple weeks ago, and Mm -hmm. he was there with his whole family, Okay, um, he and Sister Oaks. And the great thing is that he was still in his full shirt and tie and suit, you know, and the the jazz were wearing their yellow and black jerseys. And Sister Oaks was in a black dress with a bright yellow blazer. And I was like, kudos to her for leaning into the dress code. I appreciate it. And it's funny because I've we're season ticket holders, so I I've gone to so many jazz games, and I am notorious for spotting apostles at the jazz games. Uh-huh. And you would be hard pressed to see any of them do anything more than one of these, right? I like mean, a like they're, bump, like a fist, like, yay! Yeah, like not even vocalizing, uh-huh. right? President Oaks, I saw him standing up and clapping a couple of times, and he was I could see for for that little old man, he was getting into it. But his wife, Kristen. She was in it. It was amazing. She doesn't have the so that's my can do what she wants. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's true. It's true. (laughs) But he got up and he was he was cheering and it was a blast. Uh, Last thing, last thing I'll say about uh, the talks, and then let's get into President Nelson's because I want to do. I do want to give a few minutes, and then we'll wrap this sucker up. Uh, Patriarchal blessings, man. Two talks, but two talks, three mentions. Three oh, I didn't mention and two interesting angles talks. too. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved what Elder Bennett when he was talking about his parents divorcing and then his anxiety. I had no idea he was leading into patriarchal blessings from that. It was mm-hmm. amazing. 
loved it. It's one of I my just, favorite topics to talk about. So I was I in them. Racked my brain any time in my life. Have there ever been a talk specifically on patriarchal blessings? And I cannot think of any. They've mentioned them for sure. Mm -hmm. But to have the first time it happened, I was I even said, hey, I don't think there's ever been a talk that I've heard of in my lifetime anyway. Um, or that I would remember. I'm it could have happened when I sure. wasn't sure, sure, sure. But, um, but I thought that I could remember, and then there were two of them. That is unprecedented. I'll bet you there is not a general conference where there was two talks specifically about patriarchal blessing. I don't so, know, but so I bet spe there was. Speculate with me. Uh, what's the play here? Do you think it is the idea to have um, spiritual experiences with our youth? Because typically you get them as a teenager to sort of help um, help them rely on the Lord as they go through those tumultuous teenage years and try and keep people in the church more is that the play is is the play and i i don't mean well, that i think elder bed in a nefarious way talked about that he talked about trying as best as you can to maybe it wasn't elder bennett but i think it was to to get them when they early before they have other other spiritual experience so this would be post-baptism uh, maybe just barely post priesthood, but before they go to the temple, before they, yeah, sure. But not to not to specifically say too young or too old either. Yeah, because right. like the oldest was ninety or something like this. Yeah. But what's but what's the motive? Like if if we I, were to be those people that are like, nah, I bet the church is doing this because of this. Do we think that it's to try and keep people, uh, you know, in the church that, you know, like missions. That's a, one of the things that people have speculated why they changed the age for mission is because we're losing so many of that age of people within the church. They're more likely to stay if they serve a mission and serve for the church because either one of a couple of things, one, they've committed the time and have a harder time leaving, or two, they have these genuine opportunities to feel with the spirit and be led by the Lord. And then that have no desire to leave like is there some part of that or is it um or is it more of this the church recently last couple of years has talked more about hearing him and this is like a crank up the volume of hearing him and and go out there and if you're 40 and don't have your patriarchal blessing let's get this done like what 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 do you think may be the other part of this well i think if the so motivation is your number one that's 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 a short-term band-aid fix that won't last, right? If if it's simply to hold on to them because they're they're locked in, that mm -hmm. that's just gonna fall away. So I think it's it's number two. It has to be number two. Give them spiritual experience, which leads into your second comment about that idea of hear him and this yeah. this idea that like like let's have these spiritual experience. Let's because because you can you you can withhold withstand a lot of 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 questions and concerns and doctrinal changes and faith crisis if you have a foundational testimony built inside not externally right and mm -hmm. i think that's it get that testimony is it you know in 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 into their heart as much as possible so it can withstand much more hmm. what do you think megan so I, I definitely, to echo what Mr. Mayor said, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, with both of my oldest girls, they're 17 and 15. It was not long after they got into Young Women's when our bishop was starting to recommend to them to get their patriarchal blessings, specifically my oldest. She was going through some pretty unique challenges. And he was like, you know, maybe patriarchal blessing would be a good idea for her. Um, and it's interesting since then, like I said, she's 17 now. So we're, we've, she's had it for like five years and she's had some unique challenges come up where 
I didn't even remember. And I would scan through her patriarchal blessing and be like, Hey, read this. This Mm -hmm. speaks directly to what you're going through. And I think it's helping the youth have another tool in their toolbox to withstand some of the crap that they have to deal with. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say crap on your podcast. You or plan. All right, cool. Um, but they deal with a lot of crap and having a, something else that not because the scriptures are an amazing tool. The words of the prophets are an amazing tool. Prayer, you know, all of these things are an amazing tool, but a patriarchal blessing. Why are you laughing at me? I'm not laughing at you. Oh, is it the dog? Mayor's dog. If you're a patron, oh. you can see that Mr. D- Mr. <laughs> Mayor's dog. Just he has been trying to get me to the- give her a treat for like. 20 minutes and she's like roaming around. She's sorry. like, sorry, I did not mean to interrupt it. It just was today, so, so cute. She doesn't get one. That's all right. So anyway, the, the tool, we have all of these amazing tools as part of our membership in the church as part of the gospel, but a patriarchal blessing is so uniquely personal that, that I, I almost look at it as like my most powerful tool of connecting to heavenly father hmm. um, and learning how he feels about me in learning how he feels about the choices that I made and have made. And I feel like that's the same for, for, for our youth. And I mean, I, I actually um, said this in a tweet that my mom passed away in 2005 at the age of 49. Um, She was raised in a part member household, but was active for a good portion of her life. She had some portions of inactivity before I ever came around, but she passed away having never received her patriarchal blessing. Mm -hmm. And I know as her daughter, I would have loved the opportunity to read about some of the unique qualities that Heavenly Father blessed my my mother with that I maybe didn't even know about. Sure. Um, I know my my husband's dad does not have his patriarchal blessing. He's almost 88 years old. And my husband, every, you know, every few months, he's like, hey, let's get your patriarchal blessing. And my father-in-law's like, uh, you know, I'm old. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah, but what is it going to possibly it really, tell me? I'm about dead. What can it possibly tell me? But but I think there's so much power in knowing how our father in heaven feels about you personally. Hmm. You know, the the things that he has instilled in your character that are unique to you. I think that is such a powerful um experience to have is reading those things. So I and and you know, like I said. The youth go through so much crap and it gets younger and younger and younger. So giving them those blessings a little bit younger when they're prepared to have it, mm-hmm. I think is, is a really a great experience for them. And I allowed crap to be say, said one time, Megan, you're pushing it with Dang the two it. craps. Okay. <laughs> Who's PG-13. this new person, man? Yep. Know, Megan the Mitch. Off. So watch yourself, she's Mr. Edgy. Mayor. She's edgy. She's, she's, edgy. she's <laughs> pushing that line. Uh, well, and it's funny, Mr. Mayor, I am and- like, the least edgy person on the planet. <laughs> no, I didn't really think you were edgy. <laughs> uh, so, so let me let me just say two things about that. One, uh, if people don't know, and I find a lot of people don't know this, I think it's Family Search, but it might be just within the church app. You guys, one of you might know, but you can actually go and read the deceased members in mm-hmm. your family's patriarchal blessing. You can request them on LDS.org, and I don't remember where though. It's in LDS. But but you can just see them. Yeah. Like you can request them to be sent to you, but like you can also, there's some like portal that you can go to and it's just there. Wow. Somebody listening knows. So yeah. 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 Maybe Megan, uh, Megan Oler Gordon, who does our show notes, maybe she will leave that. I got my dad's a few years ago. So, and I know I just did it through LDS.org and then they just sent it to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now it's available some online portal, maybe Family Search. You can be able to see it if you're a member of the church, whatever. But being able to read my grandfather's uh, patriarchal blessing, super cool. So that's one thing. The second thing, and this is maybe yeah, well, let's let's go down this tangent for a minute. Because my patriarchal blessing was so instrumental in my life, for people who don't know, maybe this is your first episode of the Cultural Hall, or maybe you haven't been around for a while, I was excommunicated for a good long time. And when I was in my early, uh, well, I guess late teens, almost go, to go on a mission, I wasn't going to go on a mission. I had a girl that I was dating who, to her credit, was very much like, you need to get your patriarchal blessing and consider going on a mission. Got the patriarchal blessing, really started to put me on the, on the, um, like the path, the, you know, to, to serve a mission and really to be able to think about like God's hand in my life. Now, here's the thing. Uh, in the last year, I found out that she left the church that she has said that this is not a thing for her. And because of, of, um, either the ability that I have to be able to know and talk to a lot of people. I have talked to a lot of people that have left the church and to say that those people haven't affected me. That's not what I mean. It hurts. You know, anytime I know that someone steps away from the church, I also respect people's agency to be able to do that and all of those things. But like, I have a tremendous amount of love for anyone who feels like they can't be in a place and needs to do something else or wants to stay in can't or whatever the things are right. Tremendous amount of love, lots of charity, all of those things. But for whatever reason, um, hearing about this and that particular person if I'm being candid, has been one of the like rockiest things as far as I go in the church. And that's including being excommunicated. Wow. That's, that's heavy. Yeah. For sure. it's, just, it, really it's a thing to me that I'm like this, this person who instrumental in, in guiding me in the path of which I have walked, you know, has, has, has stepped away and I, and I don't know what to do with it. And I, you know, again, respect someone's agency enough and all the things. I'm not saying anything negatively or, or heard all her and I actually talked about it. I appreciated how candid she was and she shared all the things, right? Like top notch as far as that interaction, but just the fact that it was like, huh, what do I, what do I do with that? I'll tell you exactly what to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> tell, no me, tell me what to do. No, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> really, I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't I know, know what to do. That's a tough, tough scenario. I think, the only thing you can do is what you said, right? You express love and you 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 listen and you've done all those things and you continue to do those things. That's the only thing. Well, I think, yeah. To to be clear and to clarify, like uh, it, it's not a thing um, wh where I'm like, oh man, is there something I could have done and I want to help her be back in the church? Although if she, she I think that the relationship is such that she knows that if ever she wanted to talk to me about the church or wanted to come back or I wanted to have a open and frank discussion, like I could be a person in her life that would, would have that type of conversation. But that's not even what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like it, it, it is just such a personal thing where it's like, it, it almost point of vulnerability real quick. It's almost like, and has been in my mind a couple of times within the last year where I go, I, I wonder if I'm missing something, right? Or, or like th this individual whom, you know, I saw for everything that she was as far as her interaction with the church. And I, and I don't need you guys to respond to this. I'd like to just share this and then we'll move into President Nelson's talk. But it was interesting because I'm like, the, the thing I've struggled about is it's like, well, I wonder, like, am am I missing something? Am is this where I'll end up being eventually, and I'll understand 
like why this was part of it or, you know, all, all, all the time when people have been like, oh man, you were excommunicated and then you decided to come back. Why did you decide to come back? And I was like, oh, because I knew that that was a thing. Like, is it a, is it a thing that at some point in my life, I'm going to look at it and go, oh man, all the, all these times. And then, and then I found myself without the church. I'm not leaving. Everyone calm down. All the things I just, for whatever reason, that particular things and with patriarchal blessings, I was like, it has been instrumental as far as my life goes, both in the very, very positive and some of the very, very hardest things that I've struggled with in the last little bit. All I'll say is maybe it's not a bad thing to dynamically look at your testimony like you're doing. Sure. Maybe that's not a bad thing, thing, right? And that's all I'm going to say, because there's so much you could unpack with that. But I think our testimony should be dynamic, which means we have to question, which means we have to look at it, which means all those things, right? And it's okay. It's sure. not only okay, I think that's how you make it strong and keep it strong. Yeah. But it's curious to me, I don't mean to keep dredging this up, but it's curious to me that that had that much impact on me. Because it's not like this, this uh, you know, this woman and I are really even friends anymore. Like we're social media friends. And, you know, when I found out that she had left the church, I was able to talk to her a little bit, but I hadn't talked to her in almost 15 years. But, but a visceral, huh sort of moment when I found out that that was the case. Anyway. Kind of a chink in the armor that you found, right? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the thing is. And don't try and solve my problems, everyone. I'm, I'm not sharing. I'm just sharing my problems. <laughs> Thank sometimes, you for sharing, Richie. Some, sometimes I have to do that with, when I'm chatting with my wife. I'll be like, no, this is just me saying this. Don't fix <laughs> this. Uh, President Nelson, uh, his talk in the Sunday morning session. Yeah. Uh, Megan, if you're not a Patreon saying just dropped the mic as far as that goes. Uh, in the words of my dad, when he finished, he just, my dad, I looked over at him. I was watching conference with him and my dad just like mouth agape was just like, wow. And that was it. Some yeah. people online, no words. Um, would one of you dare to kind of describe for those that maybe didn't get to hear it or haven't ventured into it, what it is that he spoke about? Um we need to remove all contention and anger from our lives. And the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ and living as he, as he wants us to live. There's no place in this world, in the church, in society for any sort of contention at all, at all. And, and no uncertain terms, you know, it was, a it was a good, hard one for me to hear. <laughs> A really good hard one. He started at once. Early on, he said, I am greatly concerned that so many people seem to believe that it is completely acceptable to condemn, malign, and vilify anyone who does not agree with them. That like sums up our day and age. Everything. So much. And then he went on to talk about that. If there's anything virtually lovely or a good report or praiseworthy, that we we can say that about another person, whether to his face or behind his back. And that should be our standard of communication. Those concepts are what we're talking about. How we speak absolutely is, and he compared it to a weapon, a weapon of war, how we speak and how we interact with each other. And then he he referenced Christ when he talked to the Nephites. Contention is not of me, but is of the devil. And he he spoke about being a peacemaker. So there's so much to unpack, but every single th- talk about the the ministering poking my my heart. This was just basically reaching into my heart and just 
di- diving around with you know, with a, a spoon or something and just stirring it all up all up again. It's just he would. It was the guy from Indiana Jones. Yeah, reached in, Yep, that's what he was. That's what he did. He just pulled my heart out, and it was that's exactly what it was. It was awesome. Now, was it was it President Nelson's talking? I hope it was uh, where he said, and you're probably thinking. This is the perfect talk for someone else to hear. Wasn't that him? Where that was so him. That was so him. Awesome. And he said, and I hope it does. <laughs> and it was so spot on because how many people, both online, if you were, you know, looking at some of the darts that were being thrown and the things that we're saying online, were like, man, I hope the blank group understands and sees this. And I just, when he said that, it was very funny. It was very spot on. And also... So very, like, in case you're missing this, that this is about you, pal, let me just say it is about that person and it's also about you, pal. So make sure that you aren't, you know, just pushing this off onto someone else. It was incredible. It it was, it, the thing, uh, that, that sort of, um, maybe scares me about it is it seems real prophetic. And seemed like real, not a doomsday or I'm not anything like that, but, you know, there, there have been some things and people will point to these things in, in the past with general conference and then the months between general conference about what occurs and what the brethren said at the last conference. And if we adhered to them, that how much better we were prepared, people said that with COVID and some other things like if in fact he is the, the gentleman up on the watchtower for God and seeing what's coming and and felt the need to be so direct and prophetic in these things. Yes, I love it. Yes, I hope to change. Man, Hadam Shabbat, my heart, and rip it out. But also, what the crap is coming that we need to to be able to do this? And instantly, like my mind thinks of things that could happen this very week as we release this with, um, you know, former President Trump being indicted. That's a whole can of things that, you know, could be things the political divisions as far as that goes. And, and who knows, you know, the, the COVID-19 of politics that we are unaware of that waits to be spread, share, done, all those things. Like I, I just, I hope that I am overreacting about the omniscity of what I felt. Omniscience. As that was, omniscience is that, now that's all knowing. I felt like it was Uh-oh. ominous, like, uh, yeah, I don't think you are though. Okay. I think, I think if you look just from our perspective, look at the path that we're on, <laughs> it's leading somewhere, let alone yeah. from a prophetic uh, uh, viewpoint. View and I always think it's interesting as, uh, you know, President Monson and President Hinckley and others, as they get near the end, the things they choose to t- think about, mm-hmm. uh, to say in general conference seems to focus. Yep. Uh, as, and And not that they weren't focused before, but. They don't know when they're 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 ending, but they know that there's only one or two or three or four general conferences left. We don't know, you know, obviously, sure. or at least that's where they. And so, what do they choose to talk about? And if you go back and look at them, they're very poignant, and they lead into the they they lead perfectly, just like the Eli- John the Baptist led towards Jesus Christ. The prophets are Elias's to each other, right? The one leads into the next, and and it's just it's. And it's it's amazing what uh, President Nelson's focus has been lately, and this conference yeah. specifically. Yeah. Well, and Bye. it's interesting, Richie. You asked on social media. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but um, mm-hmm. you asked on social media for 
general conference predictions, you know, and things that people are hoping to hear. And one of the things that I commented was a take town of political extremism. Mm-hmm. And so when President Nelson, well, but then it was funny because my uncle then commented on my post and he's like, yeah, but people on the right are going to think you're talking about people on the left. People on the left are going to think you're talking about people on the right. But as soon as President Nelson started talking, I was like, oh, my prediction was right. He's taken us all down for our political extremism. But then as I was listening, I was like, oh, wait a second. He's literally talking to me. And the fact that I got so mad last week about this thing where I thought that I was being slighted and I was like, I'm ready to cut off all of these people because they were being such da 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 da. And I had a huge mental breakdown over it. I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he's talking about the other stuff, but he's also saying, hey, Megan, get your get your crap together and stop being a jerk. That's three In fact, times. he specifically <laughs> mentioned not learning not to take offense. Like, yeah. exactly. I, I, and I'm like, oh, I sometimes just go right to the offense yeah. and yeah. don't give mm-hmm. someone else the grace of having a bad day or having a different point of view or maybe not even meaning anything that I'm taking. But often we. Yeah we expect them to, you know, we, ex- we will take that offense because oh, I deserve better respect, you know, as opposed to giving them the grace that, that I would expect, I would want when I may maybe make a statement that makes someone upset. I'm not realizing it. Yeah. If, if there was one thing that that talk uh, in particular left me wanting was the how to do it. You know, he talked about how Elder Oaks and Elder Iring, who are separate individuals and have different thoughts and feelings, and they disagree, but they disagree civilly. I'm sure I would love to have that master class, whether whether it's in a fifth Sunday lesson, whether it's, you know, we bring in professional people. Uh, are there people that are able to have these conversations and say, Andrew just said something that made you really mad. But I think How can he you did react to what give Andrew some said? specifics. I yeah. think he did give some specifics. And I he maybe not about that particular scenario, but he sure. did say he says now is the time to lay aside our bitterness. Sure. Now is the time to cease insisting that it is your way or no way. Sure. Now is the time to stop doing things that make others walk on eggshells for fear of upsetting you. So he did give some very specifics, very strong specifics. And I think he got up bring that into it as well yeah yep i just want to know more how to do it and i think we all need to uh megan the mitch mitchell you'll get the last word mr mayor you'll get the second to last word i'll just say i appreciate everybody listening send us those things you've thought about at the beginning when we said now you've forgotten about it contact at the cultural hall.com if you have a 12th birthday message something that this means something to you a suggestion that will make us thousands of dollars so i don't have to keep working other jobs or you're just that rich person that is like, you know, I like this well enough. I'll throw some shekels that way. Contact at theculturalhall.com. That will be my final word. Mr. Mayor, what is yours? My final word is I'm pleased to finally meet Meg the the Mitch Mitchell um, in person or at least over video. And I'm grateful that you're part of this this group. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Mayor. My final word, if I can plug myself for a second, Richie, um, over at the Little Lessons podcast, all of this week, rather than releasing a single episode on Thursday, I am doing a mini episode every day this week following Holy Week leading up to Easter. Cool. Palm Sunday and Holy Week is something that I've always wanted to learn a little bit more about. So tune in to the Little Lessons podcast for a short little five to 10 minute mini episode taking you through the Holy Week before the resurrection of our savior, Jesus Christ. 
Very cool. Very cool. Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, that'll do it. Coming up in the third block, it's uh, Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh himself. We're talking about the 15 locations in which temples were announced. We'll talk about where they were, why they were, and what we're surprised. That's coming up in the third block of the Cultural Hall. Best DJ in Utah.com. It's been a while since we've had a new one of these, and I apologize for that. It's because I've been so busy DJing events all over the country, uh, but especially here in Utah. Been able to do some great, uh, you know, weddings. I've done a, a prom or two for different listeners of the Cultural Hall. I love it when you uh, reach out to me at bestdjinutah.com, or uh, you can find the phone number online as well. I would love it if you say, hey, I heard about you on the Cultural Hall, because maybe, just maybe, I give a Cultural Hall discount uh, all sorts of events. It doesn't have to be a, a wedding. It could be a community event. Maybe it's a ward or youth activity. I'm doing one of those this summer. In fact, just lock the deal down on that. Uh, whatever it may be, if you need music to accompany your event or you just need a great MC, I would love to be able to help you out. You're simply going to need to go to bestdjinutah.com. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. It is time for the Temple Ticker as part of the conference recap. I, I don't know if you were like me as you watched conference. I'm sure you were, Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh, where you're like, is he is he gonna is he gonna are we do are we templing today? Are we taking a break? <laughs> That's always my fear. I remember when President Monson was around and he had a couple times where he's like, hey, we're not going to announce any because we're focusing on the ones we've already announced. So, mm -hmm. but with President Nelson, he's, he's still going. Yeah. there. I loved the, uh, and I can't remember his exact uh, uh, verbiage and you, you might remember a little bit better than me, but it's like, and all that's great because we build temples and now like it was the hardest shift like uh <laughs> segue intro and all of those are great things and here's the temple but he did try to his credit to to segue over to and this is the temples yeah i always i always there's always that um segue that he has to do that transition i'm like how is he gonna make this and I'm like is it not gonna happen oh it's gonna happen i remember once with president monson he simply said before i begin my remarks i'm going to announce five new temples and so it was like, he had no segue. He's just like, yeah. I'm just going to announce these and then I'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I sort of, I, I appreciated it. I also appreciated that he didn't do the, hey, please keep yourself in check when I announce the temple thing. And you hear, at least in the <laughs> broadcast that I heard, and I can't remember which temple it was. It was probably five, six or seven in. You hear a woman go, Wah! at the announcement of a temple. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. Uh, so without any further ado, we are going to talk about the 15 locations uh, that were announced in spring of 2023 General Conference, where they are, what might be unique about those particular places, and in no specific order except for the order that they were announced in General Conference. Let's get to it. Yeah, the first one announced was one that's 
little bit hard to pronounce. It's, I think it's called Retalueo, Guatemala. So this is going to be the sixth temple in Guatemala. Um, and this is only a town of about 90,000 people. There is a mission headquarters here. So it does have a decent church presence, a nice stake, and um, a few more stakes around it. So we'll probably have about five stakes in a district. Which I thought was interesting. It's the it's the mission for Guatemala that's headquartered there, or is it one of these like area, you know, headquarters? It's one of like the I think there's six, six or seven missions in Guatemala. So it's one of the uh, one of those that are kind of in the periphery. Um, we talked about last time. We talked about the Weiwei Tenango Temple. Mm -hmm. um, basically, there's one temple in right now in Quetzaltenango, and then they're building the one north in. Way way Tenango, and now this one's south and right del Weo. So they're just getting it, get all get all the parts. Let's get Guatemala <laughs> taken care of. Yeah, that's right. If you get served in that former mission, then that used to be just one. And so then there's like three temples in that mission. So will you go down? No. No. That's not my mission. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, are you gonna go? No. Heck no. What? No. <laughs> Same country, different mission. Come on, please. Uh Peru. Um, yeah, Peru, Iquitos, Peru. So this is one of my honorable mentions that I, I had last time. This is going to be the seventh in Peru. Um, it's in a very unique spot because it is in the middle of the Amazon jungle. Um, there are not any highways that are built to this city. So if you want to go from the main part of Peru or from Brazil to Iquitos, you either have to take a plane or you have to take a boat through the river. Hmm. So it's a very isolated place. I remember in 2012, President Uchtdorf visited this place after he dedicated the Manaus Brazil temple and he kind of you know did the hey you know get a temple recommend and everything prepare so ever since he's gone there I this had kind of been on my radar there's three stakes in the city so it's not like a small presence it's a, it's a decent presence of church and there's a mission headquarters there so yeah but I imagine it'll be a pretty a pretty pretty small one I didn't realize how remote that was so that's definitely why that location is getting one yeah definitely uh, Brazil, Terracina. Yeah. Did I say it right? Yeah, Brazil had two more temples, one in Terracina, one in Natal. Um, so this is the meaning of the 19th and the 20th temples. Um, they're both in the northern part, one in the kind of the interior, Terracina, and then Natal on the northern coast. They'll each probably have about five stakes in it. Are these both part of the same temple district currently? So now they have sort of divided that temple district and get get their own temple district is that how that that works um kind of close uh, Terracina goes to fortaleza and then natal goes to Recife. okay okay so and, then go to, each other. and then we go to the philippines which uh bless sweet president nelson's heart he can do the uh spanish he did not do well at the enunciation <laughs> of the filipino the tagalog uh <laughs> cities yeah luckily a lot of a lot of cities in the Philippines have like Spanish names, but uh -huh. this one doesn't. I think it's called the Tugigarao City Temple, Philippines. So that'll be the 11th. And then Iloilo, that's kind of easy to pronounce, although it's kind of interesting to look at. Um, that's going to be the 12th. So the one in the north, it's going to be in northern Luzon. Um, I didn't expect this one because there was already one announced in Santiago, which is kind of close by. So that was a surprise to me. And then Iloilo. Um, Kind of expected this one, but it's kind of um, it's 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 its own island. So um, there's about five stakes on that island, on the island right next to it that you can get to by ferry. They're building a temple right now. So, I mean, kind of surprises a little bit too. But I mean, we we've got the money, which people hate when I say stuff like <laughs> that. But we've got the money, and 
I mean, when it's these isolated areas like the one in Peru, like its own island in the Philippines, uh, you know, it 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 seems to me to just make sense that if we can do it, we should. If people, you know, can save those, you know, multiple, multiple hour or day drive or, you know, boat or plane trips or, you know, they can only go once a year because that's when the boat water, you know, can be high <laughs> enough to whatever. The, and you it's, know, whatever the it's not is. affordable to go onto a ferry. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. How come only two are dedicated in the Philippines? That's the 12th that was announced. Is it just building? Yeah, so, I mean, what's the deal? The Manila Temple has been around since the 80s. And then around President Monson's time, they dedicated the one in Cebu. But because of um, delays, uh, we'll talk about later, uh, Urdendeta Philippines was announced like 12 years ago. It's, it's just probably going to be in, uh, dedicated this year. So it's been a lot of delays. And then President Nelson has announced, you know, uh, now it's, uh, I guess, nine temples in the Philippines. So it's kind of, um, if you know, in the, like the early, the late 90s in Mexico, there was only the Mexico City Temple and President Hinckley announced like 10 temples. And so kind of the Philippines is in the same area where they just had one, two temples for a long time and then just huge expansion. Okay. Okay. Come on, Philippines, Philippine construction <laughs> builders. Let's get Wadsworth out into... Uh... Or a, a, what's the other one? Uh, Zwick. Let's get the Zwick, Zwick. construction There's company. A, the the company Haskell, which is has a lot of presence in Utah, is is building a lot of these temples in the Philippines. So oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. well let's let's get them over there. Let's get it done. Uh, this one I was surprised uh, only because I know where it is because of where in the world is Carmen San Diego, Jakarta, Indonesia. <laughs> That's right. Um, Jakarta, Indonesia, um, President uh, Nelson went to this um, place in 2019 and, you know, he gave the, hey, we'd like to build a temple here. We just need, you know, you guys to, I don't know what he said, to to get temple recommends. Um, so obviously they did have plans. Um, and, you know, what's unique about Indonesia, this is maybe underplayed. It's the largest Muslim country in the world. Hmm. And so there's there's two stakes, all of them are, and there's a district, all of them are on the island of Java, which is super densely populated. Probably like 95% of the members of the church live here. The rest yeah. of Indonesia is pretty underreached, doesn't really have any missionary activity. Um, for context, the Philippines and Indonesia basically began missionary work in the same like year or so. Oh, wow. Wow. And, okay. you know, the Philippines has now 12 temples, over 100 stakes, you know, almost like 750,000 members. And then Indonesia, by contrast, um, only two stakes, you know, less, probably less than 10,000 members. It, it, so I don't know anything about Indonesia. So you get to teach me and others. Um, you said it's all on the island of Java. So is there like, is it, is it like, um, what's my, what's my poor misunderstanding comparison? Like Hawaii is multiple islands, but we all call it Hawaii and there's the Oahu and there's Maui and there's all that. Is it similar to that? And Java happens to be the one that has the most population on it. Is that? Sure. Yeah. Like Oahu is the most densely populated of all the islands. Okay. Um, kind of the same in Indonesia that Java is the most uh, densely populated out of all the other islands. Okay. Well, you need to serve a mission, everybody, so we can get into Indonesia some more. Come on. I think I think visa is kind of hard to get. There's only been one mission there, and I think it's just been hard to send foreign missionaries to Indonesia. So. Well, they should open up to Mastercard. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> if visas are too hard to. I I hate myself. I'll see myself <laughs> out, everybody. Uh, Hamburg. This was surprising to me. Of all the ones that were announced, this was the one that I went. Wait, what? Hamburg. Yeah. This is. If I were to pick a temple to be announced. Next in Europe, it would not have been Hamburg. 
Um, so it's going to be the third temple in Germany. There's one in Freiburg and one in Frankfurt. So this is in the north, kind of by the Danish border. Um, it's probably just going to have two stakes, the Hanover stake and the Hamburg stake. Um, yeah. Yeah, just simple in Germany for some reason. There we go. Take it. Uh, this one I know probably what most excited, anticipated, and I like your your speculation uh, around some of this. The Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. Yeah, I was an unbeliever on this one. I was like, it's too close to um, to Cardston, which is a historic temple built in the nineteen. 19- 20s, 30s, um, the first temple in Canada, the first temple outside the United States. It's, it's, I mean, it's a fair, fairly sized temple. It's like the Mesa temple has a good amount of capacity. Um, but there's, I guess, just a lot of members there in Southern Alberta. And a lot of them, you know, there's all those Mormon colonies, Cardston, Raymond, um, McGrath. A lot of them have kind of moved to the city, which is, which is Lethbridge, kind of the closest city. Um, there's three, there's four stakes there. One of them is a YSA stake, the only YSA stake in Canada. Um, so yeah, that will probably be, have about seven or nine stakes that will go to Lethbridge, which only leaves Cardston with like four or five stakes. Which you speculate may be a following suit like the St. George Temple, like the Manti Temple, like the Salt Lake Temple, and maybe they're going to announce a renovation soon. I feel like they've got to. I don't feel like that's that big of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, it was re- it was renovated in the 90s. Um, maybe in like another five, ten years they could renovate it and if they wanted to you know preserve the the murals and everything and the historic preservation maybe they just want a little bit less wear and tear a little less people going there and so they'll probably be able to preserve the history there uh california big winner now there's something more interesting in bakersfield california than there was but before we go there san jose do you know what the way to get to that temple whoa 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 <laughs> You're great to talk to Richie because you know, you know all these things that I'm just too young to know or don't care enough to yeah, know. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for both of those things. You're like, either I'm way too young or I just don't care. So, <laughs> and Jose, was this surprising to you? Um, a little bit. Um, like I said, um, this is a pattern for this conference, that there's these large temples that are historic, that have huge capacity, um, but they got basically temples announced near them. So, the Oakland Temple has been, um, you know, around since the the 60s. Huge capacity, very large, like auditorium size endowment rooms. Um, so I was kind of thinking that, uh, well, they're not going to cut that down. So basically, they're going to cut that district in half with the San Jose Temple. Have like nine stakes go there. Um, leave Oakland with another nine or ten stakes. Um, so yeah. The the question uh, that I have about the San Jose Temple will is will it be as grand that all of the Californian people will take their daughters there for their quinceanera pictures? Have you have you followed that at all? Yeah, I have seen that, actually. The Oakland Temple is like the place, the place of all the places in the state of California where, uh, where people who have quinceaneras will bring their, you know, their 15-year-old daughters to get their quinceanera pictures. It's big elaborate ball gowns and on any given day i'm told you can go to the oakland temple grounds when the weather is at all you know not like utah right now which is snow ridden and all that stuff (laughs) but anytime the weather is good at all and there are multiple people big ball gown dresses getting their quinceanera pictures taken at the oakland temple yeah let's see where it's where it's built if it's built in the hills of cupertino or if it's in the valley if it's it's gonna be interesting to see the design if they're gonna choose like a, a Catholic colonial design or if they're gonna be like a more modern design, kind of like Oakland. It'll be interesting. 
And now Bakersfield, uh, listen, they've already in in uh increased the value of Bakersfield by like you know two hundred percent by putting something there that's actually interesting and worth stopping. Man, it's both in California, the Bakersfield Temple. I've heard this reputation, but I have never gone to see it. Yeah. Um, the the church newsroom like boasts, oh, it's near Death Valley, like very, yeah. <laughs> very nice location. Yeah. Um, Bakersfield, honestly, take a trip sometime. It's probably eight hours from where you live. Okay. It's not worth it at all. <laughs> if there's someone that you just want to get to know and you're you're wanting to do a drive and you're just looking for something different. Just just tell them, hey, let's go to Bakersfield, California today. And when you get there, you'll be like, what? 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 Why? Why does this place exist? There is one good restaurant. I can't remember off the top of my head. But like you go, you go eat there and then you come right back and go, I don't ever have to do that again. <laughs> okay. I'll put that on my bucket list. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably have about six or seven stakes all the way spanning from Ridgequest in the that Death Valley area all the way to Portersville up in the north and then all the way to the coast to San Luis, San Luis Obispo. So that will probably be that huge temple district, Jeez. which it's also it's also taking away from the L.A. temple district, which is another one of these large temples that's probably underutilized. But, you know, that's that's the, I guess it's not that's part not part of the calculation anymore. Well, and we built them. We built them too big. Maybe some people would argue. Yeah, these temples the in California—they were large. Like back in the day, they—they they, they, like back in the day, people were moving from Utah to California. So these tem- these temples are bigger than most of the Utah temples. People thought that California is the future of the church. It's going to be sure. headquarters there in the future. So it's a different nope. mindset that they had back then. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, California. Take that. Uh, or, now I heard the announcement of Springfield, Missouri, and I thought. Ah, oh, my hand cart's not ready. Is this somewhere significant that I need to? Is this a sign of the time, Corey K. Ward? Um, it's closer to Branson, Missouri. If, if it probably has more of that reputation, <laughs> not okay. quite by the Jackson County. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be the third temple in uh, Missouri after Kansas City and St. Louis. Um, it's actually the future Bentonville, Arkansas temple, which is gonna be dedicated in um, September. They'll attend that temple until this one's built. So probably like five or so stakes. In, interesting fact, and you didn't know this. I just found this out uh, through some of my news sources. The Springfield, Missouri Temple, uh, you know, lots of Mormons performing in Branson, right? That's sort of like a, uh, <laughs> yeah. like a you know, it's like the Mormon Broadway, some people have called it, right? The Osmond okay. citizen there or whatever. Um you know, we gave up doing the um, the live ceremony in the temple, right? It used to just be Manti and Salt Lake, and now Salt Lake being closed, and obviously Manti being closed, we don't have that. It's all video presentation anymore. The okay. Springfield, Missouri temple is all musical. It's going to be musically done by performers <laughs> from Branson. I just heard that. I saw that uh, on Reddit this morning. So it's Love very it. exciting for the Springfield... <laughs> yeah. Missouri Temple. I'm not sure that it's true. In fact, I would bet probably that I'm just making this up for entertainment purposes. But how cool would that be to be able to go through your endowment session with people singing the endowment? Let's do it. Let's do it. Was that sacrilegious or just irreverent? I <laughs> vote irreverent. Uh, Winchester, Virginia. Everyone, and I have a small contingent of friend uh, friends who are up in Virginia who are like, what? What are we doing here? What is this about? Yeah, this baffles me for multiple reasons. I would not have guessed this in a million years, honestly. 
Um, so it's in, I had to, I mean, I didn't quite know what part of Virginia it was in. I thought it was maybe in the South, but no, it's in the, the very far, the most far North in Virginia that you can get. Um, it's kind of an ex, maybe it's becoming like an exurb of Washington, DC. Okay. Um, and so it's going to kind of shave off a couple stakes from the Washington DC temple, which is another big temple that's, um, has very large capacity. Um, no, it baffles me for multiple reasons because, um, there's it's going to be probably have a Winchester stake and the Martinburg, uh, Martinsburg, uh, West Virginia stake, and um, West Virginia doesn't have its own temple yet. Mm-hmm. And if they would have replaced it in Martinsburg, maybe instead of two stakes, it would have had four stakes Frederick, Maryland, and Tamersburg, Pennsylvania, and, and West Virginia would have got its first temple. But sorry, West Virginia, wait, and we know why the shade here, right? West Virginia can't have nice things. I guess so. <laughs> well, maybe Charleston one day. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I think maybe this was the one that someone wooed out. Is that? Yes, it was. And this okay. is my prediction. So okay. they must have listened to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be the, the second in North Carolina. Um, eight or nine stakes. So, you know, medium temple. Now, there's already one in North Carolina, though, right? In the... Uh... In Raleigh the, area. Apex. Yeah, Raleigh area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So church is the church growing in that area? That seems like a lot was, of stakes. Yeah, there's been stake. there's been a couple new stakes like every couple of years. So nice. Yeah. Okay. And then we end out in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Why does Harrisburg sound familiar to me? It's the capital of Pennsylvania. So oh, maybe okay. when you were memorizing those in school. Yeah, yeah. That that is it. That's hundred <laughs> percent it. So, I mean, it's not too far away from Winchester either. So it kind of surprised, not as much of a surprise, but um, definitely it's in that DC, Philadelphia area. I'm going to take all the stakes in the um, the center part of Pennsylvania, probably six or seven. And and there's already the Philadelphia temple, which if you don't, if you've never been to, have you ever had a chance to go to that temple? I haven't. Super cool. It's right in the downtown uh, heart of uh, Philadelphia. And if you can avoid getting mugged, which I was unable to do, I did in fact get mugged while I was there. That's a real story. Uh, you can wander around and there's like an amazing, uh, cathedral that's down there. Just the, like just this, this strip almost of like churches and historic buildings. It's super cool. All within walking distance of anywhere you'd stay in downtown Philadelphia. Okay. It's on my bucket list. But but I, I'll say this, if someone starts yelling at you, don't ignore them because otherwise they'll hit you from behind because you oh. didn't know they were coming. Okay, thanks. Story for a different time. Uh, so this this rounds out the temples to be 315 uh, That's right. that uh, the church has now and 133 by President Nelson, which is just insane. Yeah, 42% of all temples are going to be announced by him. And um, so my friend and I were texting this week and like, how many are going to be announced? And there's been something going around on the internet that I guess uh, Kevin Pearson at the Linden Temple groundbreaking, he said like, oh, there's plans to be have 500 temples by 2030. And so basically we're like, oh, well, they need, just need to have like 14 to 15 every conference and on the dot, 15 temples. So are we going to have 500 temples by the bicentennial yes. of the church? I say yes, because <laughs> that's dotting the earth. Here's here's something horrible. Who's Kevin Pearson? He is the president of the Utah area, oh, Kevin okay. W. Pearson. Okay, okay. I was thinking of the guy from This Is Us. Isn't that Kevin Pearson as well? 
that's culture a young, stuff. That's like... a young show. That's a show that's on TV now. I'm not a hundred years old, Corey K. Ward, but I don't I watch it. TV. I'm sorry. You're going to need to call me. If you're in a, I don't mind that you play the age card with me. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but you're going to have to call me, sir, then <laughs> anytime we chat. Yes, sir. Yeah. Or elder. So that you respect your elders. Uh, that is the end of our conference recap. Get excited because Corey's going to be part uh, of our next episode that comes out later this week. It is our 12th birthday episode. We'll have a temple ticker as part of that. Uh, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. Hope that if you aren't here this week, that you can be here next week. And that uh, when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of, of the, the cultural, cultural hall. hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat on the back row.